ready and waiting. Be ready and working. Be sure you've put your faith in Jesus Christ because the doom for those who spurn him is real. Jesus wasn't like me. I say things I have to retract, you know? I'll bet you do too. One of the hardest things for us to admit is to say, I'm sorry. That's something we did, something we thought, something we said. We throw words around loosely. Jesus said, my words, the words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. He does not throw words around loosely. When he speaks of the outer darkness and the gnashing of teeth, he's not just giving some poetry. He's speaking real. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, The Talents. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Believers who've come to know him, who've been born into his family, why we're to use our life for him. And if you don't know him, your life isn't just to be spent on self. Uh, You're made for something bigger than that. Your life isn't just to be spent on the biggest cause you can find. No, your life is to be spent for God. And I'll tell you, that trumps every cause, secondary cause, you know. So anyway, I uh, introduced this this way, and I would say uh, sometimes Christians, even well-meaning Christians, um, will pit waiting against working. And I've heard people warn about not getting too occupied with his return because if you're waiting for his return you won't be serving him and using your life and I say no Jesus taught that those who are waiting his return will not be disengaged and just spacey and not worth anything but no they'll be engaged in life right here and now we understand just how important this life is and the opportunities all around us uh people Everywhere in your office, on the sidewalk as you walk back to the, to the uh, place of work, people everywhere need Christ. And so working and waiting go together. So I'll leave it at that. And uh, I want to just say that readiness for Christ's return will be manifest in faithful service. Let's, uh, let's just walk through it together. Verse 14, it is just like, what is it? Jesus says, it is just like, well, he's talking about his return and the kingdom when he comes back as king, okay? What will it be like right when I return? So that's what he's been saying when he told the other stories too. He says, it's just like a man about to go on a journey. Now, I'll explain it as we go because it's so self-evident The man going on a journey represents the Lord. He's leaving. He's going to exit via the cross, the resurrection and his ascension, and he's going to go to a distant country, okay? It's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one, he gave five talents. Talent was a measure of weight in in money, and uh, it was valuable, Lots of money, a talent. He gave five talents to this one guy. And to another, he gave two talents. And to another, one. Each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. 
Immediately, the one who received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who'd received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Uh, he says, this was it's like. Well, now he's leaving, and he is entrusted to every one of his children, gifts, talents. Uh, no two of us are alike. Each one of us has received a special gift as Christians. And I would even broaden it out because his story is broader than that, really. Uh, everyone in this room, we've been given the gift of life. And we have certain circumstances. And they're not alike. No two alike. Uh, varying abilities, varying talents. Uh, but we, everything we have is from him. Okay, he's the giver. Notice at the end of verse 18 where I left off, the one who had just one talent hid his master's money. In the story, this money isn't theirs. It's the master's money he gave to the slaves. Now, uh, let's look at it. After a long time, it says, uh, verse 19, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts. After a long time. Why do I emphasize that? Well, because in our perspective, it's been a long time. And in fact, even just a year or two going by in our lives can seem like it's really dragging out and taking a long time. Well, this is after a long time. Keep your finger here and turn over to Luke 19 for just a moment. Luke 19. Jesus told a story in Luke 19 that is so similar that some have confused it as just Luke's account of the same story. But it really isn't. Jesus would teach the same themes repeatedly, okay? But uh, he told the one in Luke, and I, if you're there, Luke 19, 11... While they were listening to these things, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. Now notice, he's not in Jerusalem yet. He's near Jerusalem. In fact, he's coming from Jericho. That's where he met Zacchaeus. And that's where that tax fraud, that tax collector who was cheating people, repented and came to Christ. And, you know, it's a wonderful story of salvation. And in fact... I think, gives us almost the theme of Luke's account of Jesus' life. Look at verse 10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. People like Zacchaeus, who was lost, can be found. No matter what you've done, no matter how often you've done it, if you put your faith in Christ, if you'll cry out to Him, He'll save you. He came to seek and to save the lost. Well, he's leaving Jericho, but he's not to Jerusalem yet. And uh, he tells this story about Minas. And I'll just, I won't, we're not teaching it, so I'll just tell you. He gave 10 different slaves in this story, very similar story. He gave 10 slaves. And they all got the same amount. And a, a corresponding lesson is that all of us have been given 
as you know, a life to invest. They're different. We'll see that in Matthew 25. But in Luke's account of the minus story where Jesus gave, uh, they all got the same amount, but they all, it's a very similar story. There's coming a day of reckoning. But by the way, look at the end of it. Um, verse 28, if you're still in Luke 19, after he had said these things, he was going on ahead, ascending to Jerusalem. So it's a different occasion. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 25 has been in Jerusalem for the most of the week, and he's just on the eve of the cross. In Luke, he hasn't even got to Jerusalem yet, and he's ascending to Jerusalem. By the way, if you go to Jericho, uh, it's down below sea level, and Jerusalem is up high, and the road between Jericho and Jerusalem is full of switchbacks. I mean, it is an ascent. I, I was riding a tour bus when I was there, and I was so glad for that bus because it was grinding down in first gear and roaring around and it just kept climbing and climbing. It would have been a long hike, and that's why sometimes, you know, like the Good Samaritan story is told on that road because it was a dangerous place. Uh, robbers would hang out and mug people, that sort of thing. Well, anyway, there are two different accounts, but uh, I bring that to your attention because while you're still there in Luke 19, notice why he told that story, one of the reasons... He went on, verse 11, to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. People were thinking, he's gonna, when he gets to Jerusalem, it'll be the kingdom. They supposed it would be right now. And he told a story about going away on a journey. And so we know now uh, it's been a long time. Well, let's get back to Matthew 25. After a long time... Verse 19, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. There is coming a day when accounts will be settled. Uh, things are out of whack today, but there's coming a day when God will settle all accounts. And I'll just say this parenthetically, everyone uh, will face their maker Believers who put their faith in Christ, judgment for our sin fell at Calvary. There's still an evaluation day. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ, the Judgment Seat of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5, verse uh, 10, 11. But uh, it's just an evaluation of our Christian life. But those who spurn Christ will face God. You can read about it on next to the last page of the Bible, Revelation 20, facing God and being evaluated for your deeds. Uh, judgment is an awesome thing. People tell me, I believe God will judge us according to my deeds, you know. And I say, yes, he will. And it's a very sobering thing. Well, there's, there's going to be a settle-up day. And uh, verse 20, the one who had received the five talents came and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me, and see, I've gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who'd received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted to me two talents. See, I've gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of 
your master. Um, God has entrusted different things to us, but in both cases, the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy went and invested it and used it and came back with something to show for it. And they both got the same commendation. Uh, don't think that just because you're not a five-talent guy that you're not valuable. We tend to think, oh, if I had so-and-so's gifts or whatever. No, just take what you've been given. It's not yours anyway. God is not impressed with the gifts he's given us. You know what I mean? The grandest, even Christians, I find as Colin, you know, like almost like a sporting event. Every year there's awards for the most this, the most that, the 10 most influential churches in the country, all that kind of stuff. I just say, wow, it's almost in our blood. Well, it is, isn't it? Uh, we need to, but our new nature knows better. God is the author of all good things. And don't, uh, don't get occupied with this. But these guys represent Christians who used their life and invested their lives uh, for the Lord. And he said, well done, good and faithful. Now, verse 24, the one who'd received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, what you have, you have what is yours. I buried it. This guy uh, represents an unbeliever. You say, why do I say that? Well, first of all, he made no use of his life, no service. He just buried it. Secondly, I don't think he really knew the master. Did you read verse 24? I knew you to be a hard man. Is that who the Lord is? Reaping where you didn't sow? I don't think so. I don't think so. And uh, by the way, our Lord's uh, conclusion to this story, I think it's pretty clear. This person wasn't a uh, believer. He really didn't know the master. By the way, many who maybe hang out with Christians, maybe go to church, uh, look like believers, aren't really. And Jesus said there'll be this accounting, and the Lord knows whose are his. But, um, you know, and they'll often excuse. I, I meet people who are religious who will excuse their behavior uh, much like this guy did. He's self-justifying. Why did he bury his life? Why did he not use it at all? Well, he's, I knew you to be a hard guy, and I was afraid, and, and, I, and they'll speak ill of the character of God to justify, I don't go to church, there's a bunch of hypocrites. If God is God, how come he lets this stuff happen? If, if God is so holy, why blah, blah, blah? You know, you hear an unbelief speak that way, justifying why they spurn him. Well, this guy uh, does the same and an unbeliever, let me just point this out. You've been given, each of us, the precious gift of life. If you ignore God, you're frettering away, you're squandering a precious possession. Don't do that. Well, verse 26, his master answered and said, You wicked and lazy slave. 
you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put the money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. <laughs> now you say, Scott, is, is the master agreeing with the slave then? Yeah, I'm a hard-nosed guy, and I reap where I don't sow, and I don't think so. He's just using the man's own words. He says, okay, if you thought that, then why didn't you at least put it in the bank and earn interest? And God will see through all the smoke screens, you know, that we, uh, that we put up. And oftentimes, in fact, readily, our own words will condemn us. Uh, unbelief is a self-refuting kind of a thing. Therefore, verse 28, therefore, the command, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents, the command. Then the principle, verse 29, for to everyone who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. This isn't the first time Jesus has said that. He said that back in Matthew 13 regarding understanding of the parables. Um, so he says, take it away, and they do. And then the awful, the awful end of it, verse 30. Cast out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in that place, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Scott, did you just look for the harshest words Jesus ever spoke? No, I didn't. I'm just teaching Matthew. I'm just moving through it. Uh, look back, glance back to the end of chapter 24, verse 48. If that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and shall begin to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour which he does not know and shall cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. Weeping shall be there and gnashing of teeth. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven. He spoke repeatedly this way. If words mean anything, and they do, this is meant to get our attention. Be ready and waiting. Be ready and working. Be sure you've put your faith in Jesus Christ because the doom for those who spurn him is real. Jesus wasn't like me. I say things I have to retract, you know. I'll bet you do too. And if you say, no, I never have to, then you've got a crummy marriage. I'm just telling you that right now. And you don't get along with people at work either. Because one of the hardest things for us to admit is to say, I'm sorry. That's something we did, something we thought, something we said. We throw words around loosely. Jesus said, my words... The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. He does not throw words around loosely. When he speaks of the outer darkness and the gnashing of teeth, he's not just giving some poetry. He's speaking real. Uh, now let me just 
very quickly draw several principles here that Jesus tells in response to their questions about his return. Be ready, okay? Be ready and waiting. Be ready and not just waiting, but serving, using your life for him. First thing I'd say, those who wait for the Lord will work for the Lord, okay? If you know Christ, you'll serve him. And we don't serve him perfectly. We don't, and we don't certainly earn our, earn our relationship with him by stuff we do for him. But if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. You'll serve him. Uh, each of us is called, this is the second thing I'd underline, to be a good steward. Jot this reference down. I didn't leave us time. I should have. But 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each one has received a special gift, every Christian has been, received a, a special gift. Apply this to those of us who know the Lord. As each one has received a special gift, employ it, he goes on to say, in serving one another. Use your gift, employ it. And it's not to serve yourself. It's to serve what? One another. I know of no gifts in the New Testament that are given for self-edification. They're given to build up the body of Christ. So each one of us in this room who know Christ, we've been given a gift. We should employ it in serving one another. Some of us speak. Some of us serve. Those are the two categories Peter goes on to say. Whoever serves, let him serve as by the strength which God supplies. Whoever speaks, let him, do, let him speak as it were the utterances of God so that in all things God may be glorified to whom belongs the glory forever and ever. Amen. So use your life in that way. Thirdly, God is looking for faithfulness. These two verses, read it again, verse 23 and verse 20, why can't I find it? Verse 23 and verse 20, oh, 21, I was not looking down far enough. Well done. They're identical. He said the same thing. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. God is not impressed with our gifting. He's not looking for greatness. He's looking for faithfulness. And he'll reward faithfulness. And I think we should reread verse 21 and 23 regularly as believers and remind ourselves what we're here for, why we have the career we have, why we live where we live, why we're related to the people we're related to. Wherever you are, bloom where you're planted, so to speak. Use your life for Christ. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Talents, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you've ever wanted Pastor Scott's sermon library in the palm of your hand, we have a new app available called the Abide app. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. 
Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. When the Lord comes back there will be a great separation and everyone will uh, face him and everyone will know who he is and he will separate, if you will. Now, it's true, the Bible teaches every one of us, whether we're here when he gets back or not, everyone will face, you know, the Lord as judge. Romans 2 says, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil. And Romans makes it very clear, all of us do evil. Now, the gospel in Romans and the gospel in Matthew, the gospel throughout the Bible, the good news is that Jesus Christ saw us in our need and came and laid his life down for us to pay the penalty so that if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus today, you will not face him as judge. He paid your judgment for you. He faced the judgment for you. Join us again next time as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, Goats and Sheep. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.